Welcome to the Recovering Perfectionist Podcast, where I empower you to develop sustainable habits, challenge society, and take messy action. I'm Christine, life balance coach and world champion ballroom dancer, and I believe that everyone has the power to create their very own life by design. The Recovering Perfectionist podcast was created with a mission to encourage a life of abundance by finding peace and acceptance in our own imperfections and developing healthy self-love through sustainable habits and manifestation. It's time to align with the universe for the full human experience and redefine what it really means to be successful. Uh It's too good, the secret is out and wow, Uh uh-huh. Welcome back to another episode of the Recovering Perfectionist podcast. I'm so excited to have with me today, Miss Amber Petty. She is a writer and a writing coach. Thank you so much for being here, Amber. Yay. Thank you, Christine. I'm so excited about it. I didn't think I'd be excited to like talk about perfectionism, but I'm (laughs) thrilled. I'm like, honestly, quite thrilled. I, you know, uh, I am excited to always talk about perfectionism when it's about educating people on how to not let it ruin your life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm excited to have someone here that is um, just as passionate about this topic um, to really help people who struggle a lot with this. Um, it's been coming up time and time again. And in my life and in my coaching, which I think I haven't really shared that story a lot with people recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get into that, I think, later. But I want to start first um, by saying how we met, because um, yes. I always like, you know, giving a personal connection. And it's not just like people think I just randomly find guests or, you know, we connect in such random ways. And I think it's really important for everyone to know that, you know, we're all doing things in the background and that's yeah. kind of getting us all here. So mm-hmm. um, we were invited by a woman named Priscilla to a, um, it was like a week, uh, workshop kind of showcase online kind of thing, uh, that she created called pivoting performers. And, uh, it was a very exciting thing she had, you know, it was very elaborate, very well organized. And, uh, we were all coming from different walks of life, uh, in different fields that had then switched uh, into different professions from the one we originated from, which allowed us to be kind of a pivoting performer. And I think we all had some sort of like, um, entertainment background. Yeah. I think everybody had some kind of a lot of dancers, uh, actors, comedians, things like that, that kind of background. Yeah. So talk a little bit about you, you started in what field and now you're a writer. Yeah. So I started as an actor. I wanted to be an actor, you know, since I was six and my neighbor's backyard play, she put me in begrudgingly. I might add, she did not want to cast me. And yet she sent me on a whole road. (laughs) Uh, They just needed another person anyway. um, So, so yeah, so I did that for a long time. I moved to New York and when I was 17 and was there and I did improv at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. And I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and off-Broadway plays. So I did like comedy and musical theater. And then uh, when I was 30, I moved to LA with my husband because a lot of it, you know, in comedy, there's more roles in television and stuff like that. And also theater pays 
uh, you know, approximately four cents, you know, a day it's, it's <laughs> like quite literally unlivable. Are they paying that much now? My goodness. I know. Well, <laughs> you know, thankfully <sighs> equity finally got those minimums up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I moved to LA and then while I was in LA, I wanted to have a job that was more flexible than substitute teaching and working in a theater and bartending and doing the 4 billion jobs I would do at a time. So I tried freelance writing. And then I found that I liked doing that more than waiting around for auditions. And even when I was just writing for really dumb things, you know, like I wrote for Snooki's blog for a while. Um, You know, it's like, I'm not changing anybody's life with my articles, but it's still just felt so much more satisfying to have that little bit more of control. So I found that I liked that more. And then, uh, so yeah, so I, I stopped acting pretty much, you know, I might do somebody's like cabaret show or something if they ask, but I'm not auditioning and going, you know, to be 200th person in line to uh, play, you know, a teacher in Greece. So that path is gone, but, um, for writing, transitioned into writing. Yes. (laughs) So transitioned to writing. I've done copywriting and writing for places like Thrillist and Greatest and the New York times and stuff like that. And now I teach other creative people who want to find ways to write more or want to make money with writing, how freelance writing can kind of help them do that. I love that. That's amazing. Very cool. Well, I think, you know, kind of the whole goal here, um, to educate people on this topic of perfectionism is really to, I think, first of all, it perfectionism is alive and well in every career in yeah. this world. So you'll find perfectionists everywhere you go. It is not, you know, specific to a certain category of people. I do think that um, I come from the high performance athletic industries. And I do think that those kind of breed perfectionists specifically. Absolutely. Um, and entertainment, things like that. But I do think that, you know, you can have, you know, doctors, lawyers, accountants, uh, writers, you know, people who work at a grocery store. It doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. You're going to have some sort of level of, uh, you know, uh, I, I hate to use this word, but the stereotypical OCD type A sure. mm-hmm. of what it is. So I kind of want to um, use this, this episode just because we had a lot of, you know, uh, parallel things we wanted to discuss of kind of going inside the mind of a perfectionist yeah, and what that means. So um, I wanted to start by, I don't think a lot of people know the story of where um, this podcast originated. I used to have yeah. another podcast called Today Over Tea, which was a very in-depth, long-form sit down with my guest in person conversation. Uh, and we discussed some heavy things like racism, body image, you know, stereotypes, entrepreneurship, um, you know, generational type things. And it was informational, but it was like the heavy stuff that I felt was very important to discuss um, mm-hmm. because nobody was talking about it and everybody was scared to talk about those types of things. Yeah. Um, and the only reason that I kind of transitioned into this more just audio, a little bit more quick, you know, weekly thing, I was not putting out episodes weekly with that podcast. It was a lot of production on the back end, a lot of editing. Uh, it was a visual podcast as well. I had to invite the guest over. I mean, when I tell you the perfectionism in me was just, <laughs> 
it was like feeding off yeah. of this. Uh, my husband would bring out all his camera equipment. We would have the whole thing. I had little mugs that had today with tea on them because it was a whole tea thing. We had to drink tea. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when I started building my life coaching program um, and really my life coaching business on a high level, I knew I needed some supplementary content that would be just some free content for people to be able to understand what I do and how I do it. And also for my clients to be able Mm -hmm. to share with them, you know, um, I have different episodes on the three types of perfectionists. I have, you know, sustainable habits is also something I specialize in. So I discuss that. Mm -hmm. And I talk about how self-care is not selfish. That's been a very popular episode. And it's, it's been really nice because all I do is I take the audio from the Zoom call and I put it into my um, audio mixer. I tack on a very nicely curated intro and outro <laughs> that still has to be a little perfectionist in me. And then, you know, I don't edit anything in the middle unless there was some major, you know, blip. And then we move on. And um, the name came about by a friend of mine who was discussing kind of, I was explaining to her what I did in the past in this high performance, you know, ballroom dancing, athletic industry. And she said, you know, it sounds like you're just like a perfectionist who's trying to recover. <laughs> and I was like, you know, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. So essentially that was kind of how this all came about. And since then, uh, I'm on, this is season three now, which is very exciting. And since then I have had people reach out to me, uh, to get coaching on, you know, perfectionism. How do I overcome this and move forward and actually make some of my goals happen? I've had other coaches who have lost clients because they couldn't get inside the mind of a perfectionist. Uh-huh. Oh, so they've reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, I know that, you know, you specialize in this. Could you please kind of give me a little, you know, one-off coaching so I can kind of better help my clients in the future or future clients. And I thought that that, you know, this has just been such an amazing domino effect of this podcast, uh, specifically someone like you as well. So many people have related to the self-care is not selfish episode Mm -hmm. to different types of perfectionists, all that stuff. And, um, and I think that, uh, you know, it's very exciting to connect with people on a level, like you said, I don't know if it's something you want to discuss, but it's something we all need to help each other through together. Yeah. And it's, you know, like you said, it can kind of occur anywhere. And like, just even if you change your job, that doesn't change your brain. Uh-uh. That doesn't, you'll find, you'll find fun new ways, uh, to bring to torture yourself. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's such a good point because, you know, I feel like with perfectionists that you, it's like, you both want to know exactly how something is going to turn out and ensure that that what happens and how it turns out is, you know, covers every single item in your dream checklist. And so that's great. If you have a ton of money and a staff, I mean, I don't know if you're Julie Taymor or something, maybe that's good when you're directing the Lion King. Uh, But even then you also direct Spider-Man, turn off the dark and, and bad things can happen. But most of us don't have uh, Disney behind them to like indulge in every whim. And what happens is uh, nothing. You can't possibly produce something that's of like a life-changing level every day. It's not 
And also what we think is life-changing is usually like, I don't know, time. It's it's either like what we think is life-changing either doesn't matter at all to somebody else or what we think is, oh, that's fine to somebody else's. Oh my God, that's incredible. I'd never thought of it that way. And you just don't know until you put something out there and perfectionism stops you from doing it. And that's what makes it just hurt so much. Yeah. You know, totally. You were discussing, um, we were chatting a little bit before about someone, you know, like us, we tend to put a lot of effort into our content. Hence why I explained, you know, the podcast I had before and Mm -hmm. how much I loved it and I thrived on it. Um, but the views weren't as high as I wanted them to be. Now for us, you know, we don't, necessarily rely on views we enjoy the process of making the content however you know the idea is eventually you can't spend so much time making content like that that's not going to produce um, (laughs) because it ends up you know time is money at the end of the day so we start creating content and then you know we do we put it out there and you know we hope that it does well as much as we like it and then you see someone who creates a two-second like you said TikTok or something that's just (laughs) a trend going around that's really not relevant to anything and they get millions of views. Um, yeah. How, how does that, how does that make you feel? How do you over kind of come that sort of, I, I don't want to say disappointment, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so when you put in all the effort in the world into a project, well then also like all the expectations of the world are on that project. So if it doesn't take off right away or doesn't take off soon, I mean, that's going to hurt terribly because so much time and energy and passion has gone into it. And so that's like you said, not to say to never do that, but if you need to have some kind of result, or even if it's an ongoing thing, you're not going to have the incentive to keep doing it because you're putting out all the energy and you're not getting it back. Um, now it is hard to switch from that to the, just like, I don't know, I guess I'll just learn that little dance and do it like a billion other people on TikTok and see what happens. It's really difficult to shift. And I totally get, I, you know, so often you think of things you're writing and you're having such a hard time. And then I'll be like, oh my God, E.L. James wrote all of 50 shades of gray and never once thought, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't publish this unedited right. uh, fan fiction of sexualized vampires. Uh, and she's a super millionaire. So sometimes- but Amber, I don't know if I can be the one that like jumps off a roof into a pool just to get <laughs> views. I just can't come down to that level, Amber. <laughs> and it's, it's hard. Like I find with trends, uh, like TikTok and, and social media, it is really hard for me because innately I'm like, if it's just a trend and trendy and everyone's doing it, then I've got to like do something so much more, you right, know, right. if everyone's doing it, make, then what's take the, the trend point? and make it my own. That's what I, that's what I like. To yeah. Do. So, so sometimes you can do that. So when you can do that in an easy way, that's mm. the best thing to do. Like, Hey, I'll just like, I had a quick little idea to put just a little spin on a trend. And so I will do that instead. Um, If I feel like if it's just bothers you so much, it's really just taking a step to do the easiest thing possible. Mm. So in, 
in writing, a lot of times my students don't want to pitch things because they assume that unless the story idea is like super important, that nobody would want it. But if right. you look at the internet, there's a million stories and they're everything from uh, the current, you know, abortion crisis in Texas to, you know, memes you'll only get if you were a 90s kid. The whole gamut is there. And the thing is, like, even the memes you only get if you're a 90s kid, it made somebody happy for a second. You know, that's right. It it has a little bit of value too. So I think taking anything that feels easy to you and putting it out into the world is a good first step. So instead of planning out what this grand project is going to be, mm. just take your first instinct and do something. So maybe that is just a reel where you just talk and you just say, Hey, I was thinking about this and I thought it was funny. The end, or you had whatever your quick little idea that, is that might actually end up being the one that hits. And, you know, yeah. I was, I was talking to a friend the other day and, you know, she was disappointed because she said, you know, she she's a photographer and she created these awesome reels in relation to like a color sequence she was doing. Mm. And one of the reels, you know, took off. It went, you know, it did very, very well. And she didn't expect that to happen. And then she was excited because she felt like she was on a roll. She created this amazing reel that she put so much effort into and it didn't take off the way the other one did. And she was like, what did I do wrong? Oh no. And I said, you didn't do anything wrong. Like you created content and maybe it just, you know, it was a, it was a, a, a big news day and lots of things took and yeah. you, you never know what kind of like, you know, wheel of craziness you're throwing this content into on that day. And I think, you know, I said, did you expect the other one to take off the way it did? And she said, no, it wasn't even, you know, that great. Um, or maybe it was good, but it just, you know, she didn't spend a lot of time on it. And I said, but that's the thing. So I think I like what you said there not to spend a lot of time on something because it may take, it may not take, but it needs to be efficient and intentional with your time to be sure yeah. that it is productive for you. Because like what causes pain to yourself, at least for my students and for me is yeah. all the time spent thinking, I do want to do it. And I see those other people doing it and I know I can do it, but I'm not doing yeah. it because, oh, this idea isn't good enough or that's not right. Or I don't look right. Or, right. and it's just that cycle of like, I want to, and here's the reasons why I won't. And that's what actually takes time and getting out of that cycle. Isn't easy, but when you just, instead of having an idea and then spending your time, either realizing all the ways that idea isn't good enough or thinking of all the 400 things you could add to the idea right. to like make it special, just go with that initial idea because we do live in this kind of disposable world. And for some people, you know, they would need advice of like, you need to put more effort into this, mm -hmm. but for perfectionists, you don't, <laughs> you don't, nobody is expecting on a reel to watch a 10 second video that like totally transforms their opinion on something. They're looking for 10 seconds of entertainment. Entertainment. Absolutely. But not just that. I think it's interesting um, that you say that because we are spending so much time creating something and, you know, you, you're right. At the end of the day, people are just looking for entertainment, you know? Yeah. Just like, what did this, did this teach me a little bit of something or was this a little bit entertaining? Cool. That's all the exchanges. And I, I totally 
am being slightly hypocritical here because I still have a hard time doing that when it comes to social media. Now, when it comes right. to like writing, because I've had more practice, I and I've seen more times where like kind of putting in less effort produces more. And part yeah. of it is because I have the energy to keep going and keep going through the times where maybe not everybody loves it or it doesn't take off, but I'm not heartbroken. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I can keep making these and just see what happens. And so you can keep going, which tends to lead to success as opposed to the cycle of, I put everything into it. It didn't work immediately. Well, forget it. It's just proof that it wasn't good enough. Totally. Yeah. And I think that you nailed it right there. Uh, The key is consistency. Yeah. Absolute consistency. And I think that is the hardest thing, honestly, consistency in anything that you decide to do. Um, I teach that as well in my sustainable habit building programs that Mm -hmm. you have, you know, you may not see the results day one. You may not see it day two. You may not even see it day seven, but you have got to trust in the process and at least give yourself 20 to 30 days to understand that this is something that you have to create, you know, like a muscle memory when you're learning Mm -hmm. anything. Um, they, you know, 80% of your daily habits are habitual behavior. And if you want to change something, you need to change that 80%, you know, because that's the autopilot. That's everything on, you know, on auto, you drive into work, you doing your morning routine, you're doing all these things. If you want to change who you are, you have to literally change who you are. (laughs) Right. And people don't do that. And it's, and it's, It's not to make it sound like, and so now that I've told you this, you'll do it perfectly from now on, (laughs) you know, but it's really true. It's like consistency. It's, it's whatever you want. Consistency is the only thing that matters. So the stuff we're naturally good at. So like, I bet that you were naturally a good dancer, right? And now you still had to train to become the elite dancer. Mm, I mean, I'm sure it was an insane amount, but the reason it was probably easier to be consistent in that is because it felt okay. It didn't, it felt hard in a way where you could still see progress and it was something you wanted to do. Whereas I think sometimes, especially as we get older, you know, like not talking about the passions we sort of had as kids or very young adults that we can kind of lean into just with the energy of youth, but as you get older, then, you know, it's having that same kind of, um, permission to be consistent and grow is it's just harder to give yourself that. Mm -hmm. And you don't remember as clearly that most anything you do, you weren't perfect at right away. You had to work into it. So a way that you can make some things easier to be consistent are just like pick the easiest thing do the easiest thing, even when that feels like it's going to be a disappointment or not good enough, or you're going to hear whatever, like annoying teacher screaming at you in your head. Like that's not reality. Just try that easy thing to see. I think what's important is that, you know, and I've, I've lived this most of my life. I'm sure you can relate is perfectionists are already above average when it comes to a lot of things, because we are our own toughest critic. So, you know, so meaning that we see something, same thing that, I mean, as beautiful as that podcast was that I explained to you today over tea, all the things that I had, the details and everything, I would still watch it sometimes and edit it and be like, oh man, why Mm -hmm. was the glass turned that certain (laughs) way? 
right? Or man, I shouldn't be facing that direction or next time we should be sitting with a different background because it was too busy, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and you, and then you realize that, you know, regular people watching it that are just enjoying it, like you said, for the entertainment purpose, for the learning purpose, for whatever it is, they're not looking at the aesthetic of all of those things. They're looking at the content itself and they already think it's amazing. And mm-hmm. we're just being nitpicky at this point. Yeah. And, and there's that difference between, you know, a learning experience where maybe, you know, where I have, when I first started out, turned in an article that was, uh, you know, I should have checked it a little bit more, you know? And so me learning that, uh, it wasn't, it didn't devolve into, and here's the 400 other reasons why that article was terrible. Right. It was just, okay. Yeah, that's right. I, turn this in a little too quickly at this time. I did the opposite of what I usually do, turned it in too quickly. Okay, great. I can learn to fix that and move forward. Or with pitching, like when I started, I didn't know what I was doing. So I would send these like sometimes insanely long missives about, you know, a story and then get back like, Hey, this is what pitching actually looks like. And learning from that is great. You, you need to learn sometimes, but the thing to be careful of is when that one lesson becomes a spiral into all the reasons why all the bad thoughts you could ever have can like spin out of control and and take over for a while. Totally. Totally. Um, I want to pivot onto something that I think a lot of people feel, um, perfectionist or not. I think a lot of people can relate to this. We call it, uh, in our field, we call it analysis paralysis. Sure. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I I just had someone reach out to me about some, uh, a client of theirs that said they kept getting stuck in the overthinking phase, um, staring at the wall, which led to indecisiveness, lack of focus and procrastination. Mm -hmm. Um, what is, what would you say to that person? What's your, your take on that? Well, in some ways, I kind of don't care about procrastination. Like there's, you have to monitor yourself and God knows there are times where I'm purely just wasting time to avoid something. And that's not ideal, but I do think so often, especially perfectionists are so used to either working too much or they're working just by thinking so much and worrying so much about what they do. That sometimes procrastination is a break that is necessary. And, or if you get something done the last day before it's due, it's still done, isn't it? So who cares? Like then doing all that extra work of, well, I could have got it in earlier or I should have, and then it could have been better. And oh, I could have made all these, you know, but none of that happened. And what did happen was the exact thing that, um, that editor or that person needed, they got it right, and it was fine. So I am kind of weird in that, and that I think procrastination, I just totally don't care. <laughs> and if we could all not worry about procrastination, it'd probably go away, but that's, you know, a magic wand scenario. Now, as far as overthinking, yes, that happens all the time. And it's really tough to get out of it. Sometimes I think that then just analyzing just quickly, like what are just the best and worst case scenarios of one of these choices and let yourself be really dramatic with the worst case scenario. Cause sometimes by saying it out loud or writing it down, you will find the parts that really do feel true and scary. So when my students pitch articles, a lot of times they're scared that an editor will be embarrassed for them or like it'll, um, 
you know, brand them as, as like a newbie or, or not good enough. Uh, and that feels really real. Whereas then you write down like, I'm never going to write again. And they're going to write back to me that I'm an idiot and they hate me. And they're going to go on television and tell Oprah I'm the worst. Like you can write that down and then go, yeah, that's not happening. So cool. I don't. Yeah. When you take, that. when you write down the fear, a lot of times uh, my manifestation coach definitely guided me through this as well. When you write down the fear, a lot of times you're taking away the power of the fear itself. Yeah. Cause it now when you write it down, it kind of sounds like somebody else is telling it to you. It so now so, somebody yeah. else is saying, Oh, they're going to tell you you're a horrible writer. And when you hear it from the outside, you're like, no, they're not. Cause I'm good. <laughs> like right. half the time it just pops right. up It's almost confidence. like you become two people and you start to defend mm-hmm. yourself a little bit. And I think that's what we need more of. We need more, um, uh, defending of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think we need to stand up for ourselves more because I think, Um, you know, a lot of times if you talk about your family or your best friends or, you know, your coworkers, you'll be the first person to stand up and be like, if that person is being bullied or something like that, you'll be the first person to say, Hey, listen, this person, you know, don't, Mm -hmm. don't talk to them that way. They don't deserve that, you know, whatever. Or like you said, this whole, you know, thing that's happening in Texas right now, we're all standing up for women and all Mm -hmm. these things, you know, we're, we're standing up for people who we don't even know, but we never, you know, we're, we're not never, we're very rarely slow to stand up for ourselves. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, perfectionists have a hard time because often they're able to do more, you know, you did really well in school probably, or you excelled in whatever your field was, mm-hmm. you know, that your abilities, um, in certain areas are probably a little bit higher than other people's and not in a way of like, you're better than everybody else. It's just like, you know, you have a certain skill set that's above average, right? You've so said then, it, you've said certain expectations for yourself throughout your life. And now you have a bar to hit. Yeah. Time. So now, so you know that that's possible yet it's not possible for anybody to hit any kind of high bar a hundred percent of the time, mm. but because we hit it enough of the time, usually early on or because you were in school or had coaches or had teachers that were pushy, especially, um, then you think you can hit it hundred percent of the time. So when you start hitting it 80 or 90% of the time, then you feel terrible <laughs> and yes. you go back into this cycle of like, well, then I better push myself some more. Um, I think that's one of the harder things for me is that like, just kind of pushing through does work for a little while but it does not work long-term. I could have pushed through, you know, forever uh, or no, not forever, but I pushed through for a long time and I worked a billion hours and had a billion rejections and all that stuff. And then when I moved to LA, it got, you know, everything kind of slowed down and I realized, oh my God, I'm very depressed and had a big, you know, I have major depressive disorder diagnosed and all. And it wasn't that LA created it. It was like, I finally slowed down enough that I had to deal with what was there. Now that's an extreme situation, but when you have that kind of drive, that's inhuman, it's robotic of like that perfectionism at all costs at all times Uh that just can't last forever. And so it's scary when you get to those points where either you're not performing like you were or maybe some of the emotions are starting to kind of come out and you can't control them the same way. It can feel very scary. And so it is, I mean, staying in your comfort zone is, I think is even scarier though, because, you know, if you want to be, um, 
if you want to be, you know, more than what you are right now, I mean, being in your comfort zone is what got you to where you are right now. Mm -hmm. And if you're not happy where you're at right now, then the only way to do that is to really do something that might be a little scary. Uh, I will say, you know, LA could have attributed a little bit to that because I have a traumatizing LA story as well. When I was 21, moved there and same thing. So it is a very difficult city to acclimate to. It takes years and years to really get your sea legs in that city. It really does. I mean, yeah. Anybody that's moving to LA, just know it's going to be a bad year. And then after that, it might be great. It, I know lots of people that love living here. I'm like much happier, you know, than I used to be and everything, but. So you're still in LA now. Yes. I'm still in LA now. Cause my husband is a TV writer. So, oh, very so cool. we're still here, but anything, um, anything we know. Um, he did at midnight and he was just on a show that he can't talk about, but it's a notable show, but, uh, but yeah, some fun stuff. My brother's in LA. He's an actor. So, oh yeah, yeah, he did. He was on Westworld for a little bit and then did, (gasps) yeah, he did Dave just recently and he was on the premiere of Mosquito Coast. So lots of, yeah. So he, I mean, lots of cool. I mean, listen, the people who go to LA, like you said, I think that that is exactly where Hollywood is. That's where it's, you know, they can thrive. That's where their community is. Um, Same thing kind of for New York as well. You know, you Mm -hmm. kind of have those, you know, um, uh, coastal, you know, uh, exciting city life. Um, But there are cities around, you know, like I currently, you know, I was in Las Vegas for a while. Now Mm -hmm. I'm in, um, I'm bouncing between Las Vegas and Orange County. Um, and orange County is very, very different from LA County, (laughs) (laughs) very, very different among the obvious media political side of things. Um, which again, I just completely turn a blind eye to because it doesn't matter (laughs) what side you're on. I'm just living my life. Um, but, uh, it's a lot for me. What I notice the difference from LA is just, it's a lot more peaceful and Mm -hmm. for someone like me who has my mind just racing all the time, when you were saying, overthinking and all that, um, you're basically to get inside the mind of a perfectionist, imagine running a marathon and Mm. how tired physically you would be. That's how tired our mind is all the time. Yeah. And it's like having, what is it that mean that they say? It's like having 30 different windows open on your browser at Mm -hmm. one time and you're trying to click out of them and there's pop-ups and spam things and all the things that like you know, basically our, our, our mind becomes like, you know, a Google Chrome browser. And it's very hard to shut some of those things down because we're so, um, stimulated by all of the things Mm -hmm. and we're, we've taught ourselves to constantly be, um, aware. I think that's the thing. I think perfectionists are the most self-aware, uh, well, maybe not definitely self-aware, but aware of their surroundings. Yeah. Um, because we're constantly trying to make sure that we're falling in where we need to be or we're where we need to be, or we're taking care of what we need to be taking care of. And, and then, you know, the self-awareness of that, sometimes we become so hard on ourselves that it just becomes a vicious circle. Yeah. You agree? Oh, totally. And, and I think with the overthinking, you know, for some people they can, uh, you know, I want to, yeah, I want to do a podcast. So then they just think, okay, great. Like, let me look up podcast things and get a microphone and, oh yeah, my friend did it. So I'll call them and yeah, I'll get that started. 
And then for perfectionists, it can kind of be like, okay, I want to start a podcast. All right. But everybody has a podcast. That's true, but not everyone has it yet. So if I get in earlier ish now, it'll be better than doing it later, but it's still a pretty saturated market. Okay. I've got to find something different about it. Okay. So if I do that, well, then that's too niche. Is that not going to be for enough people might be for too many people. Should I narrow it down? Wait, I only have so many friends. And so those friends already have podcasts and they don't want to come on my podcast. And the last time I tried to do something like this, nobody came on it and nobody listened, but maybe this time I'll try. It's like, and then, but that for an hour, you know, that is, is what's happening. And I think with the overthinking something that can help is also try to take a break for a second, take a breath, even just noticing like, oh my God, I am spiraling on this decision. (laughs) Just noticing you're doing it is very helpful. Mm -hmm. And then just take a break for a second. And then, and then think like, what's actually at stake with this decision. And sometimes maybe it's, you're going to leave a job or something huge. Okay. Maybe then immediately like talk with somebody else, even just a friend, like, cause that's going to limit the sort of cycling, but it will help you get some perspective. Now, most of the time, what's at stake is nothing. Cause what happens if you make a podcast and nobody listens, you know, you get disappointed for a day and the world moves on right. and nobody cares. And there's not this, like, see, I used to sort of imagine this, like crowd, this angry, vicious crowd, you know, constantly watching for me, you know, waiting for me to make a mistake. And they'd just be like, Oh yeah, that's Amber. She made three podcasts. They all failed. What an idiot. And what happens instead is just people don't remember at all. And then they're like, oh, hey, I heard you on the one podcast I liked. And I remembered that and nothing else. Oh, I saw you were in the New York Times. That's great. Yep. They didn't see, they don't know. They don't care. They didn't see all the other things. Well, everybody's living their life and they're trying to figure out what they're doing. And a lot of people are, you know, in their own zone you know? And so, yeah, we think that everybody is paying attention to us and we're on the stage with the spotlight, but when in reality, like you said, you know, we change over some Instagrams, we do a couple things here. We put something out, we delete the posts, we move on. And most people don't see any of that. You know, we'd be, we're lucky to have them see a post that we actually want them to see. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, that's really where the problem lies. Um, I think, you know, when you're talking about taking a break, uh, a lot of my coaches have, I love putting a term to this, you know, Mm -hmm. because as perfectionists, we like to label things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But uh, I like, they call it white space. Have you heard of that term before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was a new term for me at the time, you know, a few years ago when I was introduced to it. But um, for those who don't know, white space is basically just sitting down somewhere and not having any stimuli come into you. So turn, you know, no phone, no TV, you know, no, uh, radio in the car. You really Mm want to block, block everything out. You know, um, some people are like, Oh, I'm going to sit down and watch a movie. Well, Mm -hmm. and for me, honestly, I'm one of those people. I like to sit down watch a comedy and just clear my head. But at the same time, even if it's maybe 80% less stress or overthinking or whatever, you're still thinking about something because there's mm-hmm. information coming into your brain that now you're evolving and you're thinking, oh, like if I see a relationship, I think, did I do enough for my husband today? You know, like mm-hmm. all of these little things that the white space needs to be at least, you know, 
15 to 20 minutes a day of you just sitting somewhere, drinking a coffee or a tea or something, maybe journaling, um, maybe if anything, spit some information out, but don't let anything come in because we realize, or what we don't realize is that we actually have a lot of the answers already. We just are not, I think maybe trusting in ourselves and feel like maybe we're behind or we don't know the, the newest crypto to be up on or all these different things. So we have to be doing more research and that's actually yeah. causing us to be so filled with information that brings on that analysis paralysis we were talking about. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, it's like a blessing and a curse, all the information we have. Cause it's yes. so cool that we can oh. look up anything and find out so much information at and any time, at any time, yeah. you know, um, that's so exciting. But if you're a person who has the idea of like, yep, I'll learn exactly how to do it so that as soon as I start, it will go perfectly. Well, that's a huge trap because you cannot learn your way into doing anything right perfectly. And half the time you can't learn your way into doing anything right. <laughs> you can just learn some basic steps, but you're right. still going to make mistakes. And by doing of anything, you're going to learn a thousand times faster than reading every guide in the world. Right. And that's not to say to learn nothing. Of course, I still like taking classes and totally. researching things, you know, but even I will still lean on that too much. Cause it's like, if I have the idea, Oh, can I trust it? If an expert, you know, hasn't told me so, okay, I'll go take time by taking this class. And then I can trust their advice because they're technically the expert. Whereas I could have just done my idea in the first place and right. saved myself some, some hassle. I think a lot of what we're having, uh, that sparked something that you said, um, uh, an issue that I have a lot recently is when you say, do I need an expert to tell me? Um, I feel like everybody has now become an expert on everything. So it's like, what's the right information? And that has given me a little bit of analysis paralysis as well, because like, yeah. say, for example, recently, it's been finding the right sunscreen, right? Mo <laughs> moist moisturizer sunscreen for my face. That is going to be somewhat, you know, um, you know, buzzword organic or something yeah. that's not going to be, you know, with parabens and all of these types of things. Um, so you start doing all this research, you start reaching out to certain influencers, you see what everyone's doing and everybody's talking about the newest vegan, cruelty-free organic product. Mm -hmm. And then you have to start doing more research or what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what you end up doing is you buy a couple and they work for you. They don't, this one doesn't smell good. This one doesn't feel good, whatever. But, um, essentially also the answer, the reason there's so many things out there is because not one thing works for the entire population. Yeah. And that's something hard as well as perfectionists. We just kind of like, we're the kind of people, um, like you said, you know, back in school, we were, you know, straight A's teachers, pet, the whole thing. And we were told what to do and we aced it. And yeah. then we, and then we did extra credit because we knew we could, <laughs> but at the end of the day in life, when you're looking for the right sunscreen or you're looking for the white, the right water to drink or the right partner in your life, or, you know, the right car to drive, that's different for everybody because everybody has different needs. Everybody mm -hmm. has different, you know, skin types, different bodies, different, all these things. Um, so you almost have to do a trial and error. And that trial and error can get very um, overwhelming and exhausting yeah. for people like us. Yeah. And it, and it feels like the answer is, well, I should have done more research yeah. when you get to the error part of trial and error. Right. right. But it's like, nope. <laughs> 
you would have just, that's what you're doing. That's three the more thing. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just how it goes. Right. And sometimes trial and error is a great thing to talk about. Cause sometimes when I, you know, cause you hear all the time, people talk about failure and failure is great. And it's how you grow, but like, I still don't want to, I'd rather not ever fail. If you gave me the choice, I, I don't care. You know, it's still, right. cause it sucks to fail. It of course, feels bad. Of course. Um, but it's just a necessity. Whereas sometimes when you can just reframe those questions or whatever you're overthinking about, whether it's sunscreen mm-hmm. or like your, your own business, um, yep. when you can just be like, well, let's do an experiment. It just, if just changing the word to experiment can help me relax because within an experiment, you don't know what the result will be. The point is to try things in order to get a result. So it makes everything feel like it's a little, so whether it's a failure or a success or whatever, it makes it all feel easier because your goal wasn't to create the best thing ever that gets a ton of views and responses and makes you an influencer overnight. The goal was to just see if something works or not. And whatever happens, that goal is achieved as long as you do the experiment. Totally. So. And I think the more you try, the more comfortable you end up feeling with failure, quote unquote. I think mm-hmm. failure is a very opinionated term. I think it's sure. either it's either a lesson or you know it's just a redirection in a sense. Um, and so I think the more and more you try, the more you end up being comfortable with the outcome, however that ends up being. You know, not failure, yeah. more the outcome. Yeah. Because um, now it's like just the experiment itself is all that matters. Just like you said, not the outcome of it and the outcome will still give you answers and help you. But yeah, the hard part is like, whatever your field is, you have to like reach out and you have to share what you do. And that is scary. Um, that's the scary part. It would be great if somebody just found you and said, Hey, write a book or, Hey, write this article for me or what, you know, of course, Uh but that just that That's pretty much never happens. You know, right. you still had to show up somewhere. Even the luckiest people still had to show up somewhere and keep showing up. Totally. So, yeah. So uh, just transitioning yeah. into, like you said, career, you are a writer and you're a writing coach. Um, talk, let's talk a little bit about that industry for a minute, because that's, uh-huh. that's kind of a, uh, you know, a front and center industry, like you said, for you know, Thrive Global and um, Medium, you know, we, a lot of people get their information by reading, you know, quick little articles these days, just things that they want to know. And what I'm seeing more and more, um, you know, writing used to be, and I don't want to say that's not anymore. It is writing is an art period, end of story. Mm -hmm. How, however, what I think now is becoming is more of a way to communicate. Yeah. And it is, when I see more writing or like blog posts or, you know, website type things, it's not as formal anymore. And it's becoming more like, Hey, I'm Christine and this is what I do. And it's, you know, a little bit more conversational. Yeah. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. No, absolutely. That is absolutely the trend. These things are conversational and like, there's a place for any writing style potentially, but sometimes the like, very formalized, fancy writing style that's kind of pushed in school is really, who is helped by that? Do you like 
read and remember a book better because they like used a bunch of words, not because they were fancy vocab words that actually told the story better, but they were ways the writer could show off that they knew more than you. Like, Mm. does that help anybody? No, it actually doesn't. So what's happening is like the focus is on communicating whatever the idea to the reader. Relatability. Yeah. Of sounding like a person, sounding like a regular person. And a lot of people uh, that want to be writers, they still have that kind of, because, you know, most classes still in high school and college, writing is given this big importance. And you kind of still imagine, you know, writers in their whatever, like fancy, you just picture like oak rooms covered in oak and a fireplace and just like intellectual conversations going on feather ink yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm, exactly you know it's like oh that's what it needs to be a writer or like oh I was out on the I I was living on the streets with the real people and you know it's like great and you do whatever you want it sounds pretty nice having a feather pen actually you might get one but like what actually matters is just like are you sharing information that's kind of fun or kind of interesting because that's actually all that needs to happen and right. there's a place for you know very fancy literary tomes and if that is your style that's delightful but there's just so much more out there well and because has- we can hear yeah from people yeah. of different attitudes and styles so it doesn't have to be so like elitist and there's only one way to write now we've opened it up Yeah. I mean, everyone has a story to tell, you know, Oprah said that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, this should be sponsored by Oprah. We've mentioned her twice, by the way, (laughs) That's Um, right. Yeah. (laughs) but, um, but everyone's got a story to tell and every, and I think also everybody's looking for information. I think so many people know that they don't need to be living the way that they do, but they just are not being given the right information to make a different choice because Mm -hmm. most of the information that we're being given right now um, in, you know, in the media is very one-sided. Um, and I'm not even talking politics. I'm just talking general things like your mm-hmm. health, like where you can get your health care or where you can get, you know, your even grocery stores, you know, you get certain ones that just pop up in a certain place, mm-hmm. you know, Starbucks is the leader of coffee. I mean, there's only yeah. so many things that you see that you're like, okay, well, that's my choice for that particular experience. And yeah. In, and that's not the case. There's there's tons of other options, but that requires doing a lot of your own research. And too many people either don't have the time, they don't want to do it, they don't, you know, what if I pick the wrong one? What if I do research and I don't come up with an answer? I just wasted time, um, you know? And I think it's just how bad do you want to change, I think mm-hmm. is the answer. Um, and then you can decide how important the research is for you uh, to not have to kind of swim with the rest of the fish in the same direction kind of thing. Yeah. It's a, it, it, again, it's hard because there's so much information, which is wonderful. And there's so much information, which is terrible because it's very hard to suss out what is what sometimes, but with, and then as you know, people that want to do writing, you know, I, teach writing articles where sometimes you are just writing the 25 best episodes of Frasier and things like that. And it can feel, um, hard because also it seems like everything has been written before, which Mm. is true, but also because there's so much information, even if you are just compiling information from different sources and how you clarify that idea and how you communicate that idea, whether it's 
the best probiotic to use or the best episode of Frasier to watch, or, you know, something that's a super important personal story, how you condense that information. Well, that's valuable because you're going to pick different sources than somebody else. Mm -hmm. And now you've saved somebody time so that they didn't have to read a billion different things. They now could read yours. And if that resonated, that helped them out. And for, yes, for when it comes to changing your life and everything, that's a more time consuming process. <laughs> and, but sometimes when you're just starting to like, just want to get, get over kind of the hump of that overthinking cycle or never starting. Cause it's never good enough. Mm-hmm. Just remembering that there are just lots of little things out in the world that aren't the most important. And as long as you are talking from your point of view, it's still valuable, even if it feels very small in your opinion. Right. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Well, listen, this has been fabulous. I Mm -hmm. thoroughly enjoyed being able to, um, kind of get into the mind of the perfectionist, uh, a little bit and just show people, I really don't feel like I've, you know, three, three seasons in, and I don't feel like we really have had an opportunity, uh, to kind of dig deep into a b and c of what that is so i appreciate you uh inspiring me um with your questions and with your you know line of work and topics uh you know divine timing we were meant to have this conversation so (laughs) i appreciate that um do you have any last words for our fellow perfectionists out there listening maybe needing some advice or just you know how to how to get through the day i think just Whatever the thing that's on your mind, do it or do some little part of it. So if it's, I'm dying to go on vacation, even if it's just looking up hotels, Mm. do it or look at your calendar and find a time or yeah, I had an idea for a TikTok. See if you can just do it, just end the conversation in your head and just do it. Something small, not, I I feel like I'm going to quit my job. Okay. Quit right now. No, not necessarily. Unless you really want to, but take that little thing that's just sort of nagging at you in your head, just the little fun, easy thing and see if you can do it. If you do it on Instagram or anything, please tag me. I'm not really anywhere else. (laughs) You can tag me at Amber and Petty. And I would love to see whatever little thing you do and I'd share it. Amazing. Yeah. And also any, uh, any information to get in touch with Amber or anything like that will be in the show notes, all of her mm-hmm. links and all of that stuff. You can click directly there. Um, so please scroll down after you listen to this episode and connect with Amber. Uh, if any of this resonated with you, uh, Amber, thank you so much for thank you. just your insight and your uh, joyous energy for today. Oh, this has yeah. been a really nice light moment and I appreciate that. Awesome. So, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Recovering Perfectionist podcast. I'm Christine, and if this episode resonated with you or spoke to you in any way, please feel free to share. I absolutely love hearing from you guys and your thoughts about the topics based on your experiences. And also, if there's anything you want me to talk about, just screenshot this episode and share it on social media with your comments. Your feedback really helps me to curate episodes that best serve you. If you have time, I would greatly appreciate if you could leave a review wherever you're listening to this episode, whether on Apple or Spotify or any other platform. I'm wishing you a blessed week ahead. And remember, perfection doesn't exist. Take messy action. Healthy habits keep us balanced and you are enough. Mm-hmm.
Thank you.